You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. How's it going, gang? Fantastic over here. How's it going with you, Gray? Likewise and as well, doing A-OK. Excited about this release we just listened to and some of the research and things dug up while listening and investigating this tape, as well as going through the Necrophile Records book that came with the Vinyl on Demand reissue box set, because we are talking about classic industrial post-mortem 80s compilation, The Beast 666. Heck yeah, obviously last year we got a chance to talk with Zoe DeWitt and get the full history of Necrophile and Zero Comma, but today I thought it'd be cool to take a look, the three of us, at the classic compilation on Necrophile, so a cool day to do that. Partly because Gray just recently was listening to it. So and, it felt and, right. And in addition to that, we around these parts, we have a thing called June gloom. And that means all the days are overcast and gray and in the maybe high 60s. And it's the perfect time to really dig into the darker side of this world. I agree. Gray, before we get into the Beast 666, you got any recent listening for us? Sure do. Sure do. I got a cassette from Amphibian called Low Life. Really nice textural, harsh noise, classic feel, just ripping, junking, distortion blasts. And I don't uh, know that. What what is that? I don't it's know. It's on Beyond the Ruins. So Oh, like you the, had mentioned last episode that you got, got a, a package, package from yeah. that. Gotcha, gotcha. And so jam that tape really good. And wind key tapes had a discount on their entire discography. I thought, I think it was 10% off and the entire discography. It was like $8 instead of $9. Very, there you go. Very affordable, but I got a notification. I'm like, ah, oh, I think I own a couple of them, but I'm, I'll go buy those. Sometimes it's, it just takes that little reminder, you know, that's, that's, that's why it's why those things exist to give yeah. everyone a little reminder. Yeah, it was, and it was a few days before Bandcamp Day that I got the email, which I think was nice because I didn't get lost in the the din of Bandcamp Day emails. And so I checked that out, and I've been listening to a couple of those tapes. There's like nine or ten cassettes on the label that have had physical presses, but of course, again, I got the digital discography thing. And listening to Keys of Oneria and Woodland Spells mostly. There's a lot of projects. They're all listed with like catalog number first. So it's like key, whatever, and then a title. So keeping track of what I've been listening to hasn't been the easiest because I've just been playing them at you know, whenever I feel like it, when I'm reading, when I'm just trying to have something on. And they've been perfect for that. So Dungeon Synth, nice and melodic, minimal, mellow, just good for this type of weather like Tara was describing, really. Where are they out of? I'm not familiar with it. America, somewhere. Gotcha. And one other thing that actually kind of pairs nicely with, well, at least one side definitely does with the wind key stuff is Bill Orcutt released a new vinyl mm. called Anxiety of Symmetry. And... This is another, I think the third in the series with Pure Genius and Mechanical Joey. So it is counting, but this is women's voices singing the numbers in a different pitch, each number. And it's 
really melodic and really pretty. The A side is a little more fast paced, a little more reminiscent of Mechanical Joey, but more musical and melodic than that. And the B side especially starts off just really haunting and dreamy and beautiful. And uh, yeah, just got the record in the mail actually today, but I've been listening on the Bandcamp since purchasing it. So really cool one. And, you know, had Bill on such a cool was guy. It was a great conversation. Really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. That sounds great. I haven't heard that yet, but definitely we'll make a point to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a listen. It's, it's a nice one. It's a different feel than the previous two. Cause pure genius is little on the rougher end and mechanical. Joey is, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's Joey Ramon. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. You know what you're getting. And yeah, that's been about it for new listening over here. Still kind of stuck on the Drew McDowell box. Those have been getting more play as I hang out, read, do whatever. But that was mentioned in last week's episode. So Connelly's, what have you been listening to? Well, I got to admit over here, it's going to be just total repeat of last week's listening because we've still been listening to a lot of Third Oregon. And we've also been listening to the detainment tapes as we got those physicals in as well. So really just full on still in those zones. I can't think of anything. Yeah, I mean, we've been watching Mirror Man. Watching Mirror Man. We're still fully in the third organ zone. We have not moved on. Yeah, yeah. And and then those detainment tapes just sound so incredible. And, you know, we're we obviously support and are big proponents of buying off band camp, supporting artists directly, but even if you've listened to something on Bandcamp, once you get the physical, it it's a different experience listening, flipping the tape, looking at the inside, looking at the at the notes, which I really love, especially on the on the Grey Wolves one. On the inside, it says you won't be seeing rainbows anymore, which is from the Roy Orbison song. Love it's it. over. So, so right, good. it's perfect. It's their it's last over. show. It's over. You won't be seeing rainbows <laughs> anymore. That filled us. Yeah. Full so of glee. so so right. Getting that physical gives you that little extra. Something to hold well, on to. Well, it's so funny when you've been listening to things digitally for a while and then the physicals show up and you're like, wait, I don't have this. Like you forget. Yeah. You're and gonna, they show yeah. up and you're like, oh, wait, I don't have this yet. Totally. That's crazy. Like it's already a classic in your household. Totally. And then you have it again and you get to be like, wow. Yeah. Fun. Well, yeah. And there's some things I'll wait until the physical gets here and not Once, listen see, to yeah, the digital. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It just depends. It's, uh, we totally... I don't, there's a real rhyme or reason. Sometimes you listen to the digital first, sometimes you wait. It it just depends. I understand the mentality, but I would say we're more likely to listen to it because we're not going to delay that um, joy. I mean, delayed gratification is a fantastic thing, but once in a while you need that immediate rush. Uh, So yeah, so totally in the, in still in the same zone as last week's third (laughs) organ episode. But now we're in a totally new zone because we are in the beast 666 zone. Dedicated, dedicated to Perdurabo, which is one of the names Crowley used for Perdurabo. It's his aspiration name from the order of the golden dawn. Well, well just that he assumed and that Perdurabo means I will endure until the end. You know, it also seems fitting a little bit in this time to do this tape as uh, very recently, of course, Kenneth Anger passed away, who was very much a big part of bringing Crowley to 
a different world and, mm-hmm. a, and a new prominence with his movies and and his whole life, really, especially in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, I mean, he was, he made it to 96. What a, you know, you made it basically, Dude. you know, like there's, <laughs> it is, you, you it is only. And he was still going too. Yeah, it's Fantastic. only cause to celebrate his life. Mm-hmm. And we did, uh, back when we were getting ready to interview Zoe, we got in a big Kenneth Anger zone just in that world. Mm-hmm. Rewatched all the films so always a great time to do that. I read Hollywood Babylon twice. Yeah. Uh, always a great time to do that. But it, it also is fitting with this tape. And in fact, there's even portions of some of the tracks in this tape that make me think of some of the soundtracks to some of Kenneth, Kenneth Anger's films. But we'll get to that. And, and this, the topic of Aleister Crowley, the topic of Thelema, all, all it's it's complicated and I'm going to stammer through saying this because I, I just want to say that we aren't experts and I, I didn't want to recognize that some people devote their whole life to the study of people magical, like Zoe DeWitt. exactly a magical practice of the work of Aleister Crowley of, you know, moving through these things. So anything that I say or that we say is just to, to give an overview and truly if it is, not as precise as somebody would have wanted it to be. I'm just going to apologize now because, you know, we're just trying to like discuss concepts and not go into a deeper dive. Because again, that is something that somebody could spend their entire life doing. And and we just want to enjoy the B666, but also, you know, be inundated with the feelings and the energy that was put into the creation of the tracks and and kind of participate in some of the intent. Absolutely. And boy, we start off this compilation with just a fantastic track. Yeah, Corpses Catatonic Karanzen. And this is plotting industrial rhythm and layers of vocals. And and the lyrics are from Tamba Bedlam, which is a an anonymous poem from the early 17th century and is written from the point of like a a, a beggar. And Crowley used during the evocation of the demon Koranzan in the desert, the Saharan desert in 1909, according to the info sheet. And Koranzan is the the dweller in the abyss, the demon of dispersion. He is described as a temporary personification of the raving and inconsistent forces that occupy the abyss. And he is often invoked so that he can be mastered. You know, I love the corpses catatonic material. And in fact, not that you have to rank things, but it is my preferred project of Zoe DeWitt. Personally, the corpses catatonic material really is something that mm-hmm. I enjoy a lot. And this track is right there with what I think is great about corpses catatonic that off kilter primitive rhythm, the screaming and wavering electronics just occupying the abyss and those agony vocals. Ooh, fantastic. Yeah, this might be my favorite track on the comp. I mean, it's it's hard to pick, but I absolutely love this this first track that's so primal. You have, you know, the invoking chaos. We have screams and disintegration. It's it's got this surge at the end that just decomposes yeah, so beautifully. So great. And and Gray, what do you think that horn electronics like that that wild sound midway through this track is just, I don't even know what it is. I, 
I can't really tell what's going on on this thing. I, I noted the explosive rattles, those sounds that are happening during it. And the fact that the vocals, the layers of vocals seem to be almost scribbled out of existence at points. Like they get mm, really yeah, wild yeah. and just covered and, and destroyed. <clears throat> They're like your handwriting, Gray. They're exactly and like Mike's my handwriting. handwriting. <laughs> well, yeah, and it also there's that one corpses catatonic track that has that knuckly like popping crunch. Not not this track, but but one of the other corpses catatonic tracks. And it, I I, I I was brought to mind with a little bit of that. And yeah, there's this this things just start to take over. And like you said, scribble out of existence. I like that because mm-hmm. something ends up taking over. And you think about the primitive means with which this and pretty much all the tracks on this comp were recorded. We're talking September of 1983. Yeah. Very much home, very much home recording, very much DIY recording, primitive technique. And it just adds to the atmosphere. Absolutely. Very cool. And yeah, definitely do it would be very much revering the work of Crowley at this time and very much inundated with this as well as John balance and what everyone is doing at this time was, they were all, it was just this really, this moment of everyone trading these ideas and really getting deeply into what people like Crowley were saying in their early 1900s, moving on into stuff like Kenneth Anger and and eventually landing on stuff like what they're releasing here. And we'll actually talk a little bit more about some of the Coil and John Balance relation stuff. Well, A, when we get to their track, which is next on the tape, but B, in the Extra Noise Extra segment. Yeah. Because I've gone through the wonderful Necrophile Records book that Zoe compiled of flyers and information and all of the letters that she had from back then. So there's, there's letters of there's rejection letters of people being asked to be on this stuff. There's a bunch of correspondence from John balance in relating to this stuff and also in relating to Austin spare and Crowley and all these sorts of things. So we'll talk about and read from some of that when we go through the, when we get to the extra noise extra over on the Patreon. Great. I just want to say uh, that their handwriting was very, very tidy. It's true. John Balance. I was impressed. There's actually a few phases of John's handwriting in the Mm -hmm. book. And also some some of the later letters are typewritten. It's a whole wild thing to see. Some of them have words partially written in different color pen. It's Mm -hmm. really, they're really special letters to get to, to see. It's really cool. Yeah. Aesthetically, they're exciting. It makes sense that this starts with Corpses Catatonic being Zoe's project and being also the first cassette original. You know, the Corpses Catatonic is the first cassette on Necrophile, but this is the third cassette. So we have the Corpses Catatonic. We have the Genesis Peorge Stan Bingo What's History cassette that, that Zoe had talked about and had heard and asked if she could release. And and then fast forward to I, I don't know. I even fast forward, slow forward, <laughs> normal right, forward. Yeah, yeah. We're here at this compilation. And again, there's a lot of correspondence in the book that showcases a lot of the the stuff of requesting information or contributions from people. And the second track is coil. And this to me, this coil track here to hear double headed secret. It's also used by the coil Zoskia track. It's a violation is the, it's the backing track for that piece as well. 
So if you have the transparent cassette, you'll hear the same audio on there, but with more added to it. And it was originally composed as the soundtrack to a film. This track is one of those ones I always think about with Coil, and that's because while it was on a cassette in 1983, that is not where I heard it first. I heard it on the Unnatural History compilation that oh, okay. collected contracts. <laughs> that came out in 1990. Of course, I wasn't listening to Coil in 1990, a few years later, but this stuff, you could hear this track. You know, there's a way to get this somewhat, some way other than tracking down an obscure cassette sure. from an Austrian label. There was a CD press that had this on it. And those unnatural history collections from Coil are really special too. It's all of the odds and ends, which is some of my favorite of their stuff where you're like, this didn't really have a home or this wasn't made in context with anything else. And yeah, this slow, simple melody rhythmic and some weird strings, maybe reverse string stab or something on there. It's very monotonous, very, hypnotic trance inducing music i really love this track and i'm very glad that it is how it is because in one of the letters it john balance says that he sort of wished that he had added more to it or done something more with it i'm very glad that he didn't because i enjoy how minimal and bare this is and how stripped down this is being minimal and bare and stripped down can be very daunting and can feel like you it you need more you need more but sometimes when you strip away some of those layers and get to the core of it that magic appears and for me that's what this track is that magic appears in the simplicity of this track yeah it's it's shockingly minimal and i think that that makes it even more powerful it's intense it's beautifully dark and it's evocative in its very own way and i and i love um in the notes included in the book, one of the things under Coyle's band description says the price of the price of existence is eternal warfare. You know, it is. Isn't that just gorgeous? You know, it is. And Gray, yeah, you had sent us some stuff from the book and those write-ups with information on each project, is that from the cassette or was that something a that was sent out? newsletter, perchance? Yeah, that was a, like an additional piece of information that was sent along. So uh, that's not in the cassette release, but it's a flyer that was provided about it. It is very cool, and I enjoy reading that and especially seeing the information at the time because some of, this, some of these projects will be very obscure. Mm -hmm not really even doing much else. And then obviously you have something like Coyle who will go on to have a very rich. Yeah. It's history. great to have that contemporary context at the time. But I love this track. I think this track is so cool. And the thing about this comp in general is the placement is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Every track is perfectly placed in order for the comp because you start out the corpse catatonic, very much more raw, lo-fi industrial Coyle comes in with this very minimal, great simple bare wonderful track just love it love it as the second track too and if i'm not mistaken this is the first coil track ever released right so very cool to get those early glimpses and for me my favorite coil stuff is this the the more simple 
meditative open-ended yes and, yes and really i'm i'm looking at more of these words that accompany the description of coil and i think they're worth just reading because they're fantastic go for it uh, tara it says coil is compulsion urge and construction dead letters fall from our shedding skins kabbalah and chaos thanatos and thelema archangels and antichrist open and close truth and deliberation traps and disorientation an antidote for when people become poisons. The price of existence is eternal warfare. Wonderfully said. And a great way to set up this great track. So early on in the existence of Coil that it is credited as being recorded by John Balance with the help of Peter Christofferson. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yep. So at that point, it was still John's thing and, and solely John's thing. And they were both in Psychic TV at that time. So mm -hmm. it, of course, makes sense. But it's just funny to... To see that even just written in the notes. And I do like this information packet because there's some of these projects there. They just don't exist. I don't know much about them at all. And some of yeah. these, they only appeared on compilations and only around this time and then just stopped being active. So, yeah. And in the, in the notes in the book, it, it did say that psychic TV had been asked to contribute a track, but they had not been able to record something because they had been under a lot of pressure. They've been quite busy. So there you go, but glad that this Coil track made it. And yes, there are some bands on this tape that only did a handful of things or maybe nothing else, but the next band is not one of those bands. In fact, it is a band that we got a chance to talk to last mm -hmm. year, that being Hunting Lodge. Recorded during the Will Sessions I think uh, is fairly obvious, <laughs> both from right. the way it sounds and, and the, the title. title, right? Learn to Will. And there's two Honey Lodge tracks on here, Learn to Will 1 and Learn to Will 2. And this first one is just Berserk Drum Machine. And the synth on this one in the opening part, there's a couple different sections of synth, but reminded me of like Doctor Who or Dark Shadows. Well, I, yeah. you know, because we're such in the Japanese sh show zone over here, I went more along the lines of something like Mirror Man. But yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, all... The electronics feel like a 60s low budget, maybe Theremin, mm -hmm. maybe yep. even something like Blood Feast, you know, with the organ. Sci-fi on BBC. Yeah. So, yeah. so 100% we were in the exact same zone. And this track is great. And again, the placement of this track is so cool because after that coil track, you get the most direct track yet as far as the rhythm and the the electronics. It's not so much obscured on this track. Everything is right there for the taking. Yeah, I love this one. There's some sort of there's a morbid synth sound, some doomier synth that comes in a little later, but this this I can't stop thinking of it as like dark shadows. It returns again after yeah. after that bit too. So it kind mm -hmm. of finishes out with that and really cool piece. Uh, we you know talked to Hunting Lodge. We talked about the night seven inch uh, yep. on the, for a seven inch Sunday episode and just a just a fan of the band. Yeah, I love the bounciness of the, the yeah. sounds on here. Like it's it's so rhythmic, but the energy of it is is that of a creep. It's you know magical futures it's you know blossoming from the abyss it is the potency of the individual will and acceleration and i will say that i kept 
thinking learn to will in my head because um, Mike and I have clicky pens now and it's on the table and I <laughs> want to click like it's taking most of my will to not, uh, click to that not pen. just grab it and keep clicking it like a maniac right now. So, so there you have it. You are learning to will. And also will tying into Crowley with love is the law, love under will and do what the will should be the whole of the law. Right. So certainly well, yeah, all, it's all, I mean, it all keeping in theme together. with the compilation. Yeah, it yeah. makes That's the, sense. The idea is using the will of the individual and directing that, you know, into the, energy around us and then we come up to a project that really only has a couple credits under their name which is kathan spiss which is the collaboration between bernard kathan and edvold spiss and this is one of my favorite tracks on the it's so cool it's mm-hmm. that perfect ritual occult ambient drones distant movements near slams metal things clanging bells building and atmosphere and rustling and the whole thing captures the exact atmosphere. This, this could be what the entire tape sounds like called the B six, six called the B six, six, six. And it would make sense. It would make totally, sense. Totally. Yeah. And again, the placement is so great after the hunting launch mm-hmm. track, which is very direct and right there. Now we get some more obscurity with the serpent. Yeah, and, and the serpent is such a, a potent symbol, you know, in, in so many ways, uh, but especially as a sign of destruction and recreation. Um, it, the Gnostic creed was used in Thelema frequently, and that is, and I believe in the serpent and the lion, the mystery of mystery in his name, Baphomet. So again, the the devil, Baphomet, the serpent, all of those things. And I think that having that the distant horns, the clanging, something's arising, something's awakening. You feel like something's about to happen, something's stirring. Maybe it's ancient and it's been buried for a long time and it's dusty and it's covered in chains and it's it's starting to rouse. And there's this ominous presence on this track. Oh, very much so. It has a very ominous feel to it. And, and yeah, it has that open feel where you feel like you are in the room while this is happening and it just sets just this perfect atmosphere. And Gray, I know what you're saying. It feels like this was maybe going to be the sound of the entire tape, or it could be if a tape called B666, but its placement here just really continues the atmosphere that is, you know, I was thinking about this with Necrophile and while we're listening to this, this idea that there's very few releases on the label. and there's something to be said for that because it this comp can exist and did exist as if you you know if you wanted something from Necrophile you could get this comp and there wasn't you could live with it for a year before right, you got right. something else, right so 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 you got that replay and you were probably listening to it and it was this obscure thing mm-hmm. that you ordered maybe or you got in a trade or you ordered directly from Necrophile or 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 someone had a distro and had a couple copies, but it felt special, I'm sure, at the time because there wasn't 8 million other things that you could have gotten. It wasn't cheap. Yeah, from yeah. these projects or this label. Now, that's also not to be said that that we don't love the overwhelmingness of releases, the overwhelmingness of Merzbow's catalog or the haters or 
what have you. There's that's also a huge part of this world that we love is that you can never get everything. You can never hear everything. That impossibility is exciting to us. But there's also something exciting on the flip side of that when there is a finite amount of releases or yeah, thinking 1983, you got this and maybe you got the other two tapes, but then you had to wait a while. But in the meantime, you were just listening to those tapes over and over again. Right, right. And yeah, for every Necrophile Records, there's a Sound of Pig or, you know, there's a label exactly, that which was we very love, prolific. We love, we love that, yeah. obviously. We, I think both have their place in the underground. Tara, will you tell us a little bit about the cover picture of Crowley and the the pose that he's taking and what that represents and where that comes from? So in the Lima that was developed by Crowley, he has a, a grouping of ritual signs that he would teach and they're assumed by the body, whether physical or astral and, and they're namely for use in ritual magic. And one of the neophyte signs, again, when your entryway, your first poses that you learn, uh, just base your basics. Uh, one of them is the enterer and Horus. And that is this, the pose that he is assuming on the cover of this album. The sign of the enterer is performed by taking a step forward with your left foot, leaning the body forward, thrust out with both hands, fingers outstretched. And that makes sense for it to be the cover of this, right? Being one of the first things mm -hmm. that you would do. And it would so be it's the an first introduction. Step. Exactly. We follow the Catherine Spiss track, The Serpent, with a strange piece from Toy Music, introducing The Brides of Christ to. Part A. Yes, we have a sample heavy track here. Sample collage feels like you're in the room with the TV playing and switching to different ideologies being placed next to each other without stating either way, right? Just presenting these ideologies. Yeah, like together. doomsday preachers, fire and brimstone, like classic you know, berating Christianity, newscasters talking about the decline in morality. But then that also things in that family. Right. Then, and then also people talking about the opposite, right? So putting these things together. Yeah, there's there's a machine rattle repetition, something happening in the background too that goes on under these sounds. Can't tell quite what it is. Electronic interference, something clicking away in the background. Yeah, motor electronics. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> yeah. And Tara, you sent me a link. The Brides of Christ are a, are a thing. Yeah, so, so the Brides of Christ are from the early 1900s in Oregon, and it was a very early cult. Uh, again, it had all the qualities of, you know, sex and murder uh, that you would expect from an early cult of the 1900s that was run out of town. And uh, it, it's interesting. So if you want to look up the Brides of Christ and read the whole story, they're also referred to as the Holy Rollers, because again, at the time, that was a popular thing to call people, especially they would do that with the people of the Pentecostal religion, because they would physically roll around in the aisle. And that's how the Brides of Christ got their name, because they also would take on the spirit and roll about. So the Intro introducing the Brides of Christ too is very very ominous in terms of a track title. And you said it was out of Oregon, right? Correct. Early, yeah, so West Coast mm -hmm. early cult, but fitting for subject matter for this. And 
while we do get introduced to the Brides of Christ 2 here, we're going to get a second introduction later. But as far as I could tell, we are left with these two introductions. Yeah, I couldn't find any more info. And in fact, the introductions are by different projects. Mm-hmm. Right. Ex- right. Exactly. And they were going to combine to become the Brides of Christ 2. But isn't that a, a classic thing where the same thing done by two different artists and then, you know, Mike and I, like I thought it was two different people. Mike says he thought it was the same person. Then we go back and everybody has to kind of review that ambiguity. So common. Yeah. And, you know and, what I mean? It's even, great. We love that. Yeah. Even, even trying to figure out, you know, all the incarnation incarnations of Marco Corbelli. Right. Right. Like You're, back in the day when there's no internet and we're just like, wait, is that Marco? Who's yeah, this? Who, still I always this thought day, this was we, somebody we else. We have those questions, you know? Like, right. I, I know there was a while I was confused about who MB was and I, there was no reason. It's just like, sometimes you get confused. You know what I mean? But, but toy music was, it appears to be Rock Wilson who did the Apocalypse of a Go-Go magazine in London. And then Mr. Vile Thumb, who does the part B, is in a group called Plastic Bag. But also contacting him would be care of Rock Wilson. So who who knows if it's this performed by the same person or they live in the same place? Again, the, ambu- the ambiguity is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and even more of a mystery 40 years ago, right? <laughs> Exactly. You know, Tara, as a side note, I know what you mean by that because you and I had the same uh, question about who MB was because my and our introduction to MB was the haters Mersbau tribute to MB, right? And I only I got that mm-hmm. LP from Relapse. I thought MB was Mersbau, and I didn't understand why that they were doing sense. a yes. I was like why would he do and then even in the writing I'm like oh he counted trash cans with Mersbau like because I thought MB <laughs> like that's like I didn't know and then when I when when I was like oh you know 100% so I was there was a time yeah I was just like I you know in those early days when again like Tara said there wasn't I didn't know how to look it up. You know, I had this. Yeah, record. you're not clicking through links on Discogs and, the entire time, so, you know? It's great. And so with this with this information, it's really cool. But only if you had that information, would you know that? Right. Dude, only right, recently right. was I really clear on who was in coil. Like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's, like so, well, there's so many people. I know it's true, and and I just you know there's just certain I'm still things. not totally clear. I <laughs> well, feel I feel like every year we clear. find out someone new was in coil. <laughs> Uh, and that they recorded a million uh, hours and it all comes out. Well, I don't maybe know. I'm I have still a, confused. Maybe I have a false clarity at I'm this point confused. and I will rescind all of those statements at a later time. But yeah, but, so that just that obscurity of these days, going back to that mm-hmm. idea that I was having about maybe you got this tape and you listened to it for a year before you got anything else. I don't know. I, I, I can imagine we, we, we did feel that excitement for that brief period. I can imagine living in that, that excitement and that mystery being something that mm-hmm. was added to the entire atmosphere. Yeah. And, and this, this intro to the brides of Christ, all those samples are just, you know, they have such a familiar feel to us. I'm, I'm sure all of us, especially because everything from churches was recorded on tapes and you could really, if you were getting secondhand tapes so frequently, you could get, sermons and church music. Like I know in Kentucky, uh, I would get so many sermons on tape just to use the tapes and people would hand them out for free. So this reminds me of people using those for samples frequently because it's got Latin music, the Apostles Creed. It's got like, you know, all the hits. Well, it was often said, you know, especially in the the 
early 2000s when tape had kind of died out and was more hobbyist, less popular than it is now even, that the church market was what kept yeah. tapes mm-hmm. alive. And a lot of like my tape duplicators I've been using for Chondritic for a couple of decades now, those came from a church with full yep. service records and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingdom.com, one of the largest suppliers of blank tapes yep. and tape duplicators and tape supplies back then is obviously a church organization and all of the stuff they sell is geared at churches. And I think even, you know, even some of the large cassette companies are very rooted in Christianity because in part because of the, that's what they were supplying. Right. So some of the, some of those places, I know people have had covers, or I know people have had problems with cover art and other such things sent to the mass duplication spaces because of their uh, moral objections to the content. Well, they did a lot of church tapes at the place we got our tapes in Michigan. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, going from churches and holy rollers to the mark of the devil as we flip over this cassette. Stigma Diaboli with La Force par la Joie, which means strength, not joy. I really wish I could read my handwriting sometimes. (laughs) But I feel like the... You're writing in tongues. Insane handwriting that I have here in my notes. The only two words I can make out are, oh no, delayed vocals, fluttering, and deranged. And I think that about sums up this track. So I I don't know that I need to read the rest of what I wrote. No, I know what you mean. That that, that military under gauze opening with the wheels squeaking and the voices growling and screaming all at once. Everything all at once for this track, right? It's just all on top of each other. That's right. I just read, I've just figured out what I wrote before that too. Barnyard samples, which is not to mean like cows mooing or something, but just the sound of machines and things creaking and hay being shoveled or, you know, like something like that. It's very odd, uncomfortable, overloaded ambient sound, like field recording ish sound. But the vocals are just manic and over the top. Yeah, you really have that that tunneled effect because it's it's drenched in echo, like an obscene amount of echo. And and this is very tortured. You you have just this drawn out echo of a chaotic chamber and you're trapped in there with the beast. Yeah, and it is just overloaded, like you said, saturated in delay. And this is the noisiest and most chaotic track mm-hmm. and the longest track. And it 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 True, it it hits that it hits its space and stays there for the ten minutes, but continually adding and and just overloading everything on the track. It's it's a it's a wild track, and there really wasn't a ton more done with this project. There are there is some stuff though. This is a French project, and there was some. Is it cassettes on Bain Total or or tracks on? Comps? I think they're on compilations. I don't think there's there an go. actual cassette. Yeah, yeah, so that's really about it. So very obscure. And just a really great full on track. Actually, early D form and Bane Total stuff could be a fun episode to do. Absolutely. We need that we need to head back to that area. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a is a great track. And again, yeah, it's th- strength, not joy. It's violence, not sweetness. Oh yeah. And it's got that great tape sound. Again, you just feel yeah. everything on this comp. Dish that great early tape sound. Yeah, this is a great track. And again, 
the placement perfect. And then we learn to will again with Hunting Lodge. This time the drum machine is there and the synths are whining and there are some chains being drugged across the stereo field from ear to ear, it sounds like. This is not as aggressive as the first learn to will, but it is equally unsettling. Yeah, it's a little more open. It's a little more sparse. It is a different path that the, than the first track takes. But the the that great primitive drum machine stuff is still on display, and I love when there's the hits start coming in. That's a punch. Yeah, punches. You'd be right? punching lots of yeah. punching. Yeah, I love the way that comes in, and just a, it's just a really cool, different energy from the first track. But st- great, that great commanding drum. Yeah, I and really for like. being so simple, though, I do think it gets a, a a good deal of depth. Like you get the you know the swirling, distant, like some kind of confusion alongside that lovely rhythmic bounce and and then those those punching sounds yeah such a such a cool track and cool that they you know sent two different tracks that do feel like different energies and i love the way again just love the way they're placed and i do love when there is the repeated band on a on a comp because did they just send two tracks in and see if maybe they wanted one did they have the idea that they wanted two tracks on there? I love these choices that are made with comps. And also sometimes you're even just like hanging out and talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. You just, it just is like, oh, here we go. Yeah, we, let's just send them to and Wait. see what happens, you know? <laughs> so yeah, really, really cool stuff. And again, cool with comps, especially in this time, probably introduced Hunting Lodge to a lot of European listeners, right? And, and then vice versa. Absolutely. They probably got a bunch of comps or maybe you know they worked out a deal and got some to hand out in Port Huron or sell at the record store right so i again the comps were used for such different things back then and and you know you hear escort talk about that you hear contagious orgasm talk mm-hmm. about that the comps they would do the idea was making these broad connections throughout the world in addition to making a great listen yeah. and a great album a great compilation album not only do you get that, but you get to introduce your work to other people. You get to introduce people's work that you love to other people. And then the cycle keeps going always with the contact info. So the, the comps had such more of a meaning in a way in the eighties and nineties when it was the, sometimes the only way you could get introduced to something and you know, what, how cool would it be to get introduced to hunting lodge through this? Yeah. And the exciting um, part on a comp would be when you don't know who somebody is, you'd be like, Oh, that's great. Who is that? You know, that's so exciting. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. And almost entirely true of this comp. If you even even if you're hearing it now for the first time, you might not have heard of a bunch of these projects because they barely existed. Are you trying to say that I've never that I've never heard of Mr. Vile Thumb? Because Gray, I'm, I'm you'd, right. yeah, <laughs> you'd, sure you'd be right. Yeah, you'd be right. You'd be right. It is purely from this comp. And yes, this is the part b of the introducing the brides of christ too and again i was a little bit in the outer limits here right lo-fi outer limits that hovering tone with the sample the samples are a little more obscured in this one and less the focus of the track and and just for personally i felt this was a little stronger and just had that had a great lo-fi tape atmosphere a little more on the field recording feel instead of samples, TV, church tape. And yeah, 
it, the whole thing has this dragging, droning atmosphere around it, and there is some of the same rattle from the A side that I was talking about. That mechanical, yeah, whatever sound I heard that in here a bit. Yeah, this one's a little darker and a little less upfront in terms of the message, the samples. And I would have been very curious to hear some Brides of Christ two tapes, yeah. like if after they yeah, collaborated yeah. together, that as these were separate offerings, I guess, right? Maybe someday, maybe they did something. Who knows? Hey, Brides of Christ two, tell us, give us some more stuff. And then we have zero comma Zoe again on the cassette. And this one is credited here as V, 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 V. However, if you listen to some of the reissue stuff, it is listed as Prayer of Zoss. And that title makes sense. And Tara, what do the five Vs represent in the title of this track? Now, of course, I'm I'm doing a little guesswork here, uh, but it is referenced that the track with five Vs is based on a Tibetan ritual and V is the Roman numeral of five and the five Tibetan rites is a thing. And, and the five Tibetan rites are a form of Tibetan yoga that emphasize a continuous sequence of movement. And they are part of a deeper spiritual practice. Very cool. And yeah, this is going to be a different zero comma, a different, take on what the album will be obviously this is still more in the corpses catatonic more ritual industrial right we have the we have there's more electronic element to this and to me the the electronic synth line or whatever is being used this very much brings me to Bobby Beausoleil's guitar. This oh, brings right. me to some of the soundtracks mm-hmm. of yes. Lucifer Rising. Yeah. And I was firmly much. there. And in fact, I'm absolutely going to throw on Lucifer Rising after we record this because it just feels the right time. Yeah. I am the living truth. Heaven is ecstasy. Heaven is ecstasy. I wrote that down. 100%. Uh, and yeah, so, the, so Zero Comma obviously is going to take a different approach with the full length, but I love this track. And I, I love really this track like, too. Yeah, right? I really like this this take of Zero Comma, something different. And when you saw Zero Comma Gray, did, did she play something like this or was it more stuff from the album? I know it was record, you know, mixed and stuff. but Yeah, it was closer to the album material, right, right. but a new interpretation of the album material recomposing songs using those same sounds that she'd recorded so many years ago yeah i love this 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 track feels spiritual and and i think that's one of the things about that keeps us coming back to necrophile and and other uh music in this genre that you know the martial music for the new eon totally like that that connection to something that's larger you know and something that's hidden, just like, you know, in the underground, like this is an evocation. It's throbbing. It's hypnotic. You're building it. You're climbing that spiral staircase. You know, you're you're deepening your understanding of of yourself and the world around you. And I and this also I, I don't don't want to get through this entire podcast without discussing one of the letters within the book that discussed the practices within the temple of psychic youth. Go for it, Tara. 
the awe energy. Isn't that exciting? Let's so talk about we're gonna that. Do a little ritual. tease for we're going to do a little ritual. Let's a discuss this. Tease for what we're going to talk about a little more on the Patreon. But yes. Okay. Yes. The point of the ritual of the three liquids is that because we believe that the majority of individuals would have had no experience in sexually powered rituals, we therefore constructed a very sensible and potent formula for a ritual. The only truly essential element is the of the sexual fluid, or rather the mechanism of that orgasm itself. If you can find different ways to do the sigil, which personally suit you best, then you should do it your own way. Our way is only a guideline. Genesis and Paula and me and Sleazy do things slightly differently according to our personal lights, etc. You can, of course, do the same, but the orgasm is the most important element, the key to the temple, your own temple. Absolutely. I love that. I love what these people were all doing back then using this sexual energy, right? And, and the fluids. It is, it's still so great to read about now. And again, thinking about what, how they were doing it then. I love the living it, you know, and, yeah, and I think that's it, yeah. also what it inspires us too much. It's not like they just record a track and then say, and then quit, you know, it's, it's the entire, the life, the walking through the world with thoughts in your head, your existence being part of this religious practice of this temple of the body practice of this exploring the depths of, you know, what an orgasm is and can it connect you to a higher power, some unharnessed energy within the world around us. Like fantastic. And just that these artists were all living it. Like you said, Tara, it, it, as time has gone on, there's countless bands who have taken influence by necrophile and zero comma and corpse catatonic mm -hmm. and psychic TV who enjoy the imagery and enjoy the, the ideas of it, but ultimately aren't living it. And the reality is these people were living it at that time. And it's it at, you can feel it and it mm -hmm. adds completely to the art. And we end this entire comp with just this great track, this recording of the sea, right? And it's a reference to where Crowley did live at one time. So Crowley did have an Abbey of Thelema in Chefalu, and it is now in disrepair. And some people say it's a symbol of his flawed experiment, which ultimately damaged many people's health for the health. They gave their bodies over to him and engaged in many things that are of questionable morality uh, for the name of summoning the energy the beast that he wanted to summon. There were animals involved. There was different types of sexuality involved. There were physical sacrifices uh, that were made daily and eaten. Blood was drunk. So there you are. That is the Abbey of Thelema and Chefalu. And this is the sound of the ocean around it. What a cool way to end the compilation. Absolutely. And what a great compilation. Yeah. One yeah. of those that passed in trading circles for years, you know, I've, I've heard for a long time, but tracking down a physical copy of it, of course, and just getting to see the assembly of it, hold the actual thing is always really nice. And I love that it's got early coil on it. I love that hunting lodge 
are on it. It's and also unknown stuff, things that didn't progress any further. People have ideas and life goes different ways or time is taken up with something else. Or, hey, maybe Mr. Vile Thumb and Toy Music just stopped talking after they recorded this. Who knows? Right. So who knows that the mystery remains left with mystery and history. Even when there's a book documenting this stuff, there's still so much more to be known and so much more to interpret on your own through listening. Absolutely. Well, what a cool, fantastic look at this fantastic comp. And yeah, I want to, I want to know more about some of these letters that are included Mm -hmm. in the file book. You know, obviously Zoe and John balance were in heavy correspondence early on and continued to be, as Zoe said throughout, even when she stopped doing music and was working more in the realm of magic and occult and ritual. So really excited to have you show us some of those grace. So let's go do that and let's keep listening to necrophile records and especially the beast six, six, six. You have been listening to noise extra noise. Extra is brought to you by chondritic sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years by Verdant weapons maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.